This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Nearly half of Canadians expect a prescription or a test requisition after they visit the doctor. The result, more than a million potentially unnecessary tests and treatments every year. Have you ever taken a test or a drug you thought was unnecessary? A quarter of us have. And this new report by the Canadian Institute for Health Information found that the most commonly unnecessary tests and treatments involved imaging like x-rays and CT scans for head traumas and cardiac patients, mammography, blood transfusions, and drug treatments for insomnia. Have you experienced this? Uh, If so, we want to hear from you. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. The bottom line is that unnecessary tests waste precious health care dollars. They delay treatment for people who really need it and... On top of that, they can potentially harm the patients who undergo them and actually delay the real treatments that they need. So right now, let's go to Tracy Johnson, Director of Health System Analysis at CIHI. Hello, Tracy. Hello, Libby. So um, what made you study uh, all of these tests and whether they're necessary or not? I know it's become a, a big issue in healthcare generally. So at CIHI, our mandate is to put out good information to help change and improve the healthcare system. And Choosing Wisely was launched. It's a grassroots physician-level campaign that was launched about three years ago. And very shortly after that, we started looking at our data to see if we could measure it, um, measure some of the recommendations that were coming up. At the same time as Choosing Wisely, um, as a campaign here in Canada, contacted us to say, do you want to work together? Because we've got lots of ideas around uh, getting the information out there and improving care, but we'd like to measure where we start. Okay, so uh, you found that up to 30% of tests and treatments may be unnecessary. That is a shocking number to me. Well, what I what we know is from other studies in the U.S. that up to 30% of all health care may be potentially unnecessary. So given the, the large swings in what we could see, these numbers are probably um, not as surprising to those of us who measure all the time. Well, you're, you're citing the U.S., but the U.S. is different. First of all, the healthcare system is for profit there. And the other thing is that there's a, a much bigger fear of, of huge lawsuits. So wouldn't it be less of a problem here in Canada? Um, We know that from a consortium of about 20 countries that are looking at 
choosing wisely, that it is a problem that is across the globe. We probably in North America are more the epicenter of it. This was a conversation as we launched the report this morning that I was having with Dr. Mark Hu from the Canadian Medical Association. And uh, he, he believes that we probably do more, but that it is generally a challenge across the globe. Okay. And so what is the cause of these unnecessary tests? Is it doctors trying to be cautious, trying to make sure they've, they've, they've you know, uh, uncovered every possibility, or is it patients demanding these tests? Uh, likely a combination of both. There's a number of reasons. So when we looked at things like uh, pre-op testing prior to low-risk surgery, and we we tried to drill down into the numbers to see what some of the drivers were. What you can see is that there is a lot of variation between physicians. Uh, Sometimes groups of physicians um, practice and prescribe tests in the same way. So what we know is that it's multifactorial. Some processes are just built in. So in order to increase efficiency, we did things in hospitals like put uh, standard order sets in which check off tests. The science has evolved now that say we don't need all those tests for some of the low-risk surgeries. So some of the processes that we put in place got baked into the system and became habit for people as well. So give, give me an example of uh, what you would consider a low-risk surgery and what you would consider a, a, an unnecessary test prior to that. So a low-risk surgery is a cataract surgery. They used to be, those used to be surgeries that were done in main ORs under general anesthetic. Now they're an outpatient procedure that's done in about, within a half an hour. So we don't need echocardiograms or electrocardiograms or even chest x-rays prior to those kinds of low-risk procedures. And they're still happening. And they are still happening. So 18 to 35% of patients still receive those kinds of tests in Alberta and Ontario. What about things like, um, I know that you, before almost any surgery, you'd be tested to see how quickly your blood clots, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so there is, um, we did not in this particular study look at lab tests. There have been um, other organizations that have been looking at, so at a hospital level, down at a facility level, looking at things like trying to reduce the number of lab tests that are just done in a hospital uh, during regular care for patients. So there's a suggestion that if you get um, more than one uh, normal reading, that maybe you don't need to do those sorts of things. Okay. Now, you found that most of these unnecessary tests involve imaging. I want to talk for a minute about CT scans, because Mm -hmm. I remember in another recent wait time study, that is one of the things that there was an unacceptably high waiting time for. And yet, on the other side of it, you're saying that a lot of the CT scans that are ordered are probably not necessary. Yes. So we found this for things like low back pain, uh, delirium in inpatients, and even minor head trauma. So one of the risks or the, um, the lack of value to the system overall is the fact that if people who don't really require the scans are being put in line to have them, then people who really need them are not getting them, and they will contribute to longer wait times. So if we can get this information out and docs can change their behavior in some of these areas for simple, um, 
uncomplicated illnesses, then we can free up resources for other people in the system. Uh, So you're saying that if you have back pain and there's no red flag that it might be something serious, don't get a scan. Well, or ask your physician about it. So go back to those four questions that that Choosing Wisely folks have put out there. So is this really necessary? What's the downside? Is there a simpler, safer option? And what happens if I do nothing? Yeah, I mean, and and sometimes, uh, you know, I'm a a cancer survivor, and I was getting scans at certain intervals. Mm -hmm. And after a a certain period of time, you know, and and it's also, there's radiation with all of these things. Yeah. You know, I said to the doctor, like, do we really need to do this this often? And and the answer was, no, absolutely not. And and, um, it was partly like there was, it, it was partly... You know, my decision, you know, how comfortable are you going for how long without a scan? Yes. And I think that's what's really um, the campaign is trying to do is help patients and um, physicians engage in a conversation that's meaningful. Because it may be that you are low risk, but there are certain circumstances that you and your physician would agree that a scan is a necessary thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely high risk for, for other things, and I take that seriously. Uh, one of the other things that really caught my eye here, because uh, we focus on the demographic we call Zoomers, mm-hmm. is that one in 10 seniors in Canada use a benzodiazepine on a regular basis to treat insomnia or agitation. These are very strong drugs, and they cause a lot of problems. Yes, they do, and they are not recommended for long-term use, so two to four weeks only. Um, The side effects for seniors are um, increased risk of motor vehicle accidents and falls and hip fracture and generally fatigue during the day, not really being able to function well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are you saying that, that um, you know, why, if, if that is the case, first of all, why are so many people on them? Is it just a matter that nobody bothered to take them off the drug? It may be that that was the case. It may be that uh, that patient came in and had um, difficulties sleeping for a period of time and other, other non-pharmacological based therapies may not necessarily have worked. So they tried this and it's working, and nobody's uh, really checked in to see whether it's still needed or not and whether it might be of a particular concern for that patient. That's right. Uh, One of the things that we talk about on this show a lot uh, with our uh, trusted contributors from the Ontario Pharmacists Association is de-prescribing, that every now and again you should review the medications you're on. Maybe you don't need them anymore. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes this happens when patients are in hospital and it can be more effective when they're being watched and what happens when they are de-prescribed and they can take a look at balancing all the other medications as well. Okay. Uh, What are some of the other recommendations that you're making to cut down on this waste? Uh, well, one of the things that we're saying we're recommending, or that Choosing Wisely recommends, is um, that you visit their website as both a patient and a clinician, and look at the information that's there. So, patients to for from ed, from an educational perspective, so that they can have those conversations with their doctor, and physicians from a um, an educational perspective to look at what some of their colleagues in their other professions are recommending is best practice because the science has changed. Okay. Um, the, the other side of this is, you know, if, if something is wrong, 
You're listening to your body. You don't have an answer. I mean, you know, on the one hand, we tell people that in that situation, they should push for an answer. Uh, well, and I think it's totally appropriate when you're anxious and you're trying to figure out what's wrong is to get to your doctor and have that conversation about what is wrong and have a conversation that says, you know, is are my signs and symptoms um, something that's, that fits within a picture of, you know, a simpler illness or are they signs and symptoms of something that's within a larger picture? And I think that's that conversation you have between your clinician uh, and yourself. And it's still appropriate to go and when you're anxious and something's going on to go and to figure out, try and figure out with your physician um, what is going on. It may not um, be necessary, though, to do a lot of testing to come to the conclusion that you know, to diagnose your illness. One of the things we do know is in about 70% of cases, a good um, history and physical exam can diagnose what your problem is. Okay. Um, hang on there a sec. Uh, let's take a call from Margaret in Kitchener. Hello, Margaret. Oh, hello. How are you? Speakerphone on. Uh, yeah. Uh, I started out with one thing, but now I have two. I have been on diazepam for uh, 45 years. Wow. And it started with uh, an abusive marriage so I could get to sleep. And um, I've been perfectly fine. I guess my body's accustomed to it. But it's, it's very low dose. Now, now, when you say you shouldn't take diazepam, uh, it all depends on the dosage you're taking. Well, well, yeah, of course. We're just saying that, uh, generally speaking, uh, those things uh, should not be long-term. And, and uh, as with everything else, you check with your own doctor because everyone is different. Well, not only that, but some people uh, are suffering from uh, post-traumatic disorder, even though they've never been to the war, just from living with, with an abusive husband. Mm-hmm. So um, I've tried to get myself off, but it, it calms the abdominal uh, tracked, and therefore uh, allows me to sleep. Well, sleeping so that's, is... That's the only thing I take. Anything else, I look after myself. Okay, well... I will not go to a doctor, although I have friends, they've got medicines, they don't need them. Mm-hmm. Jesus, take an aspirin and go to sleep. Okay, Margaret, thanks for your call. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Tracy, uh, uh, we are going to be moving on. Anything you would like to leave us with? Uh, I, I think that we've summed it up, uh, that um, what we would like to see patients do and clinicians is engage in a two-way conversation about what is absolutely necessary in their care. Okay, thank you very much for that. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We have been talking about this new report from the CIHI that Canadians have more than a million potentially unnecessary medical tests and treatments every year. And it can come to as much as 30% of all tests and treatments. Now, uh, we're going to Dr. Brett Belchest. He's an emergency room doctor, and the fallout from this can often end up in the emergency ward. Hi, Dr. Belchest. Hi there. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So uh, how does this sort of trickle down to you? 
Well, I, I would say not only does it trickle down to me, I think this is something that faces us every single day in the emergency room in terms of our patients coming in, the tests that we consider uh, running on them and the treatments that we're asked to provide. So, you know, this, we're not immune from this in any way. So there are many cases where patients will come in to see us where, you know, they will request specific tests that may or may not be indicated. And we are put in a position of either saying yes or sometimes saying no when we're you know, saying no against their wishes. And certainly on the other side of the equation, there are many patients that come into the emergency room requesting specific treatments, requesting specific drugs. And again, we're put into a position of saying yes or no. And sometimes what happens is patients can get very upset with us when we say no, and it doesn't matter to what extent we explain that those are not the right tests or the right procedures or the right treatments for them. Uh, We get into a position where we can have a very angry, unhappy patient. And so On a day-to-day basis, this affects us very much. Now, in terms of the effects from what's happening in the community, uh, when we see unnecessary tests or unnecessary treatments, what ends up happening a lot is many of those tests that are done that aren't really indicated will have some sort of finding. And we find that a lot of the time when you do a test on somebody, uh, when you're looking for one thing, you find other things. And those are what what we call incidental findings. And so much of the time, people end up getting sent to see us in the emergency room because of incidental findings that nobody was looking for in the first place. And the problem is when you see something on a scan that you weren't looking for, now that it's there, you're obligated to investigate further. And that's where we go down this pathway of doing things like unnecessary biopsies, unnecessary procedures, and you get into an entire snowballing cascade. But sometimes do you you find a a cancer you wouldn't have found otherwise? Well, this, you know, this is where we get into a bit of a conundrum, right? So what, what you see is that you see that there are a lot of recommendations here where we say, based on the guidelines, let's not do this test. So it would take, you know, a million of these tests for us to find that one person that would benefit from it. And we would actually harm, you know, tens of thousands of people with those millions of unnecessary tests. But the problem is, there is that one in a million time where you have the benefit. The problem is everybody believes they will be that person that will benefit. And so I can talk to people who shouldn't be getting a test and explain those numbers, and they still want to have the test because they feel they are going to be the one person where we'll find a tumor that wouldn't have been found otherwise. So it puts all of us as healthcare providers into a very difficult situation. Yeah, and I mean, the other side of it in emergency is... Because this backs up the system for people who really need the test, I can tell you from personal experience, before I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, my doctor could not get me in for a quick CT scan. This is after months, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I ended up being diagnosed and I went to emergency. They gave me a CT scan right away. Well, you know, this is one of the big problems in our system is that much of our diagnostic capabilities are backed up by unnecessary tests. So all day, you know, throughout the week, there are CT scans being done that are not really indicated, MRIs being ordered that are not really indicated, x-rays, et cetera, that are not really indicated. And so you're absolutely right that it creates a difficulty with availability for those tests that really are needed. And so, you know, when I work in the emergency room, when I order a CT, because I say this is an emergency, it typically does get done, but it's a struggle. A lot of the time when I need advanced testing, uh, it's a struggle to get the capacity in the machine because a lot of those machines have been booked up for months in advance with a lot of tests that probably aren't indicated. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of the harm that people can suffer from unnecessary tests. So what do you see in terms of that? 
Well, you know, the biggest issue is unnecessary investigation. So, you know, when somebody comes in and they say, you know, I've had abdominal pain for however number of days or I've had back pain for however number of days and they say, I really want to get a CT for this and we end up doing it, that would be one example of, of you know, just common testing that, you know, should be delayed or done in a different manner. We, you know, we'll find that thing somewhere else in the body. So we'll find a little shadow that's on their pancreas or a little shadow that's on their intestine. It's something that probably nobody would ever thought much of if we hadn't done that scan. But now the problem that we've seen it is we're forced to go to the next level, which is we have to do actually uh, very much more aggressive interventions to figure out what that little shadow is. And often that the next step is what's called a biopsy. And a biopsy is a surgical procedure. Now, every time you do a biopsy now, you're actually exposed to very considerable risks of things like infection, bleeding. Sometimes you can perforate structures in the abdomen or the part of the body that you're checking out. And so what ends up happening is for every one of those shadows that we pick up, most of the time when we do the biopsy, it ends up being negative, but there's a very significant number of people who can suffer irreparable and irreversible harm as a result of us doing those investigations that are the next step. Wow. So um, what would you like to say to patients uh, who are looking for tests or anything like that? Well, you know, I have a message, number one, for patients, but number two, also just for the way that we regulate medicine in this country. So first of all, regarding patients, you know, I I think patients have to understand that getting extra treatment, getting extra tests is not necessarily good for them. And they have to understand that there is a real harm. So, you know, when your doctor says to you that this may not be best for you, there's usually a reason for that. It's not typically the doctor just being difficult. It's that the doctor wants what's best for you and doesn't want to harm you through unnecessary investigations. But the other side of the equation is, you know, we do have an issue in terms of how we regulate medicine in this country, which is that, you know, the guidelines may say for certain conditions, don't do a test. But unfortunately, the regulatory authorities are not very protective of physicians that don't order tests. So, you know, if we look through the literature, there's, you know, tons of examples of physicians that, you know, a patient came in with a minor head injury that didn't qualify for a CT, that physician did not order a CT. And it ended up that maybe there was something there. So maybe there was bleeding or a tumor or something else, but because the guidelines said not to. And so the physician was acting completely within the guidelines, but the regulatory authorities were not forgiving despite the defensive acting within guidelines. And medical authorities have, have put those physicians through a terrible ordeal in terms of disciplinary actions and effects on their practice. So I think, you know, if we're going to start to say to physicians, we really want you to, you know, hold the line on not ordering these unnecessary tests. I think our regulatory authorities have to support them that when the physicians go by those guidelines, the regulatory authorities have to say we're not going to punish them when there's a missed finding because they follow those guidelines. Okay, very interesting. Dr. Belchitz, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay, uh, so there you have it on unnecessary uh, tests, how they affect your health and how they affect wait times. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.